your goal isn't to take your money, put it in a self-directed IRA, and then just leave it there. That's not really your goal. Your goal is to invest in an asset. So make sure you do your due diligence on the company, but especially do your due diligence on the asset sponsor. Best ever listeners, before we get into today's episode, I want to ask you, do you have a strategy right now where you are getting leads that come into your inbox while you're sleeping? Do you have a strategy where you are optimized with both Google AdWords and SEO, search engine optimization? If not, then guess what? Today's your lucky day. We've got a free strategy session just for you, and it's with Dan Barrett. If you recognize his name, he was a guest on episode 565, and he is the only certified Google partner agency that works exclusively with real estate investors. Go to adwordsnerds.com forward slash strategy and get a free strategy session to learn with him how to implement an online strategy for your market in both SEO and Google AdWords. Go to adwordsnerds.com forward slash strategy. Best ever listeners, welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We don't get into any fluff. We only talk about the best advice that moves your business forward. And guess what? Today, we're going to be talking about self-directed IRAs. If you have an IRA, then you need to listen up. If you raise money, work with investors, or want to work with investors, then you also need to listen up. With us today to talk us through that is Karin Hall. How are you doing, Karin? I'm doing great. Thanks, Joe. Nice to have you on the show. And best ever listeners, by the end of today's episode, because this is still set <laughs> Sunday, we're going to be giving you a specific skill that you can take from this conversation. And that specific skill will be what you can and can't do with self-directed IRAs. We also might touch on some other items as well, but that's going to be one specific thing you'll be able to take away from this conversation a little bit about Karin. She is the president of UDirect IRA Services based in Orange County, California. She came to me through a referral of one of my investors slash clients who referred me to her. She has helped thousands of Americans invest in their IRA into real estate and land, private notes, and much more and she's focused on educating individual investors and professionals and is the cornerstone of UDirect IRA. So that's her focus. You can say hi to her and learn more about her company at udirectira.com or click through in the show notes page. With that being said, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your focus? Absolutely. I started off like a lot of real estate people do, just trying to figure it out. What do I want to do? And then I started working in property management, managing some apartment buildings. And from there, got a real estate license and years go by. And then I got involved in mortgage loan servicing for a while and then mortgage loan origination up until the crash. So that whole conversation right there took me through 16 years. And as the mortgage industry was going into meltdown, I thought, well, I really need to change careers. And I got involved in self-directed IRAs and worked for a different company for a couple of years before launching out on my own. And now UDirect IRA Services just celebrated its, its seventh year. Congratulations on the seventh year anniversary. Before we get into the what you can and can't do with self-directed IRA, how does you've been at this for seven years with your company that you founded. How do you make money? 
<laughs> we make money when people open self-directed IRA accounts. And so we have a $50 setup fee for every account that's opened, and it's a one-time fee. And we have an annual fee, which is $275. That's a flat fee. So that's our fee regardless of the amount of assets in the account and regardless of their value. So some of our competitors charge on a sliding scale. So the more you make or the more your assets are worth, the more they charge you. But we don't do that. We just charge a flat fee. Okay. And how do you organize your team? Is it virtual or do you have an office? We have an office, definitely brick and mortar since day one. And we have organized the team into three sections because really with a self-directed IRA, it's three steps. You open it, you fund it, then you invest. So you open the account, you fund that account, and then you invest in an asset. So we've got salespeople, business development people. We have a funding department that helps you bring your money into your account and a transaction department of people here at our brick and mortar office who help you get the money out into your deal. All right. Now let's talk about what we promised the best ever listeners, what you can and can't do with a self-directed IRA. (laughs) Well, what you can do is a lot. I mean, you can invest in assets that are outside of the stock market. And that's really one of the pivotal definition of a self-directed IRA. You can have an IRA and a self-directed IRA has the exact same rules. But what makes it self-directed is that you can take the same account and now you can invest in real estate. Now your IRA can maybe make a trustee, you know, loan somebody money on a house. Your IRA can buy performing and non-performing debt. Your IRA can form a partnership or invest in private stock. Your IRA can do a lot of things. So investing outside of the stock market and uncorrelated assets is what you might call it. So with self-directed IRAs, people also invest in things like precious metals, raw land, residential real estate, everything that you can invest in outside of the stock market. That's what you can do. So what you can't do is super important with self-directed IRAs because, you know, we're used to investing with our own cash. We're used to investing in all those rules. Well, self-directed IRAs, it's its own little mini universe. So in this mini universe, it has its own rules. And those rules say that what you can't do is you can't commit a prohibited transaction. It's like a game of keep away, you know, (laughs) from the prohibited transaction. And so the way you commit a prohibited transaction is you have personal benefit of your IRA. If you have personal benefit, like maybe you take some money from your IRA asset and put it in your own pocket, your own checking account, that's called self-dealing and personal benefit and so forth. And that's a prohibited transaction. So the self-directed IRA, it's all about saving for later, not today. So Mm -hmm. that is one prohibited transaction. Another thing that you can't do is you can't buy, sell, or exchange assets between the plan, the IRA, and people who are disallowed to your IRA. And so those people are your ascendants and descendants and their spouses. Also, if you have a business partner or anybody offering services to the plan is also typically disallowed. So your IRA can certainly transfer those assets upon death. But while you're living, your IRA isn't going to buy a house your dad owns, for example. Your IRA isn't going to sell a house to your kids. You don't buy, sell, or exchange assets between the plan and a disallowed person. And then the third thing that's a prohibited transaction is having one of those disallowed people offer goods, services, or facilities to the plan. That's how it's written. And if you want to read the rule book, if you have fans of rule books, it's uh, Internal Revenue Code 4975 where they can find this. So what this means, this third kind of prohibited transaction is that you're not allowed to provide services to the plan. Let's talk about it. So we had 
one account holder bring us this purchase agreement. So their IRA is going to buy a house. Very exciting stuff. He's got a good deal, really happy. So here's his IRA. And of course, we sign the offer to purchase because our account holders aren't the ones investing. It's their IRA that's investing. So we sign on behalf of the IRA. So we get the purchase agreement and we're looking at it and reviewing it. And we say, oh, okay, here he is, John Smith, and he's investing. And then we get all the way down to the bottom of the contract and we see the broker of record is uh, his dad. So here we have a disallowed person providing services to the plan. That's a prohibited transaction. And his dad also wanted a commission. So, so whether it's for free or whether his dad wants a commission, a disallowed person can offer services and certainly can't benefit from the IRA today. We didn't allow that to go through because it would be a prohibited transaction. So what happens if you commit a prohibited transaction, right? I mean, it doesn't sound so bad. It's just prohibited. You know, it's, <laughs> it doesn't sound super dangerous. But if the IRS says, yes, you've committed a prohibited transaction, your entire IRA can be dispersed to you as a taxable event. Mm. So this is a game of keep away for sure. You want to mm -hmm. keep away from prohibited transactions. That would be Armageddon for most people who have an IRA, uh, <laughs> if that were to happen. I, I remember attending a seminar and someone was talking about this, collectibles like baseball cards. Right. Well, the IRS, fortunately, when they came out with the IRA rules back in 1974, the ERISA laws that went into effect in 75, they never said what you can invest in. They only said what you can't invest in. So your IRA can't invest in collectibles and life insurance contracts. Right. So it's a, like a fine wine collection, baseball cards, art, certain collectible coins, and diamonds, for example. Diamonds are considered a collectible. So that is a disallowed asset in a self-directed IRA. No baseball cards. I hope that doesn't break your heart there, Joe. <laughs> no, I knew that. Well, I knew we couldn't invest in baseball cards. I had already had a couple years of internalizing it and being okay with it. So I'm all right. <laughs> okay. Uh, you should have seen me. At the, You're in a good space you should, now. Yeah, I'm in a good place. <laughs> you should have seen me at the seminar, though. Tears were streaming down. All right. So collectibles, oh, insurance contracts, and basically, if you or your family are involved in any way in the opportunity, then stay the heck away from it, right? It's not just family. So here's the thing. Say your IRA buys a and house. Your fiduciary. Now, right. Your fiduciary. Yeah. You, that too. Or somebody offering services to the plan. Exactly right. So if your IRA buys this house, now your family can live in there. Your nephew could live in this house. Say, for example, you buy a house by a college and you want to use it for college rentals. And so your nephew can live there, but not your son because your son is disallowed and your nephew isn't. Your IRA can't loan money to your daughter, but your IRA can loan money to your niece because- oh, okay. Aunts and uncles, brothers and sisters, nieces and nephews, cousins, they're okay. It's just the lineal ascendants and descendants. So that's parents and grandparents and their spouses, you and your spouse, and then your children and your grandchildren and their spouses. Okay. And that's how that works. Yeah, thank you for making that distinction because it's not just a blanket statement of family. It's the people below you and directly above you. Exactly. Got it. Okay. Well, that delivers on exactly what we promised the best ever listeners. But let's go a little bit deeper since we have a little bit more time. And let's say that we have identified that we want to make our IRA self-directed. And we are inundated by a Google search and listening to podcasts with a lot of different options for who we work with. How do we first protect our money so make sure we're not going in with some shady characters? And then what type of questions should we ask any self-directed IRA uh, custodian? Is that what it's called? 
Sure, there are custodians, there are administrators, there are facilitators, all offer self-directed IRAs, and you pretty much get the same thing regardless of which they level call, why, you go with. Why, do they call, why are they called different names? A custodian would be like a trust company or a bank. And so in addition to providing the administrative services of uh, helping you self-direct your IRA, they also are bonded and insured against theft and fraud. Typically, they're regulated and they're audited. So they have to spend some of their time in those pursuits, you know, answering audits and compliance matters. So those are custodians. Um, companies like UDirect IRA Services, we're a third-party administrator. And as a third-party administrator, what that means is our only focus Really, our sole focus is on customer service. So we help people from beginning to end on their IRAs. We're their point of contact for the whole thing. You know, and so when I founded UDirect seven years ago, I hired or enlisted the services of a trust company custodian to be like our back office and take care of the financial end and take care of the money. And while we are the interface with our clients, we teach and, and help our clients and we're the point of contact. So that's a little bit of what the difference is there. Mm-hmm. I know 1031 exchange companies that help investors with their 1031s, they have a very tiny fee for helping make it happen while they're holding the money. They hold the money, put it in escrow. They charge a tiny fee to do the administrative stuff. But the main way they make money is by reinvesting that money that they're holding at a higher interest rate and then making a spread. Do you invest the money in the self that's being held in the self-directed IRA? What a great question. I don't think anybody's ever asked me that. No, we don't, but our trust company custodian does, and that's listed on our website if you want to know how that works in, in some details. So you can go on you direct IRA services, look in the library, look under safety of funds, and it explains how that works. But that's how trust companies and banks make money. And 1031 exchange accommodators, that's how they make their money. We don't touch the money as a third-party administrator. Okay. If I our trust company custodian does. Your trust company custodian does. So your partner does. If I were to do a self-directed IRA with you all, then your partner would be investing the money while it's not being self-directed to something I choose, correct? Yeah, the uninvested cash, that's right. And again, that's the traditional way that banks and trust companies make a living and have for hundreds of years. So yes, that's how it works. Yeah, okay. Makes sense. And as a third-party administrator, are you getting any kickback from the profits that are made? <laughs> kickbacks. No, we don't get kickbacks from the profits that are made per se. Here's what I mean. When your IRA is investing, say, for example, your IRA buys a house for $100,000, and now your IRA sells that house and years have gone by and you're selling the house for $200,000. Well, if this was the stock market and I was a stock advisor or, you know, or financial advisor, I'd be making 1% on your assets. A lot of them do, making 1% on the assets under management, regardless of how that asset performed. But when your asset went from $100,000 to $200,000, I'd be making all that profit and maybe even taking fees off the back end. So if it was Say, for example, with a financial advisor, you may not see the entire return come back that you're due because of these fees that are charged by financial advisors. But with a self-directed IRA, again, you bought the house for 100 you sold it for 200 Now escrow closes and escrow sends $200,000, a big old check right back into your self-directed IRA. Well, it sits there. We're not taking anything off the top except your annual fee. So you get to enjoy the full fruits of your investment right there, aside from our fees. And you don't have to say specifically your company, but if you don't feel comfortable, you can just say more generically. But if mm -hmm. a third-party administrator were to partner 
with a trust custodian is that trust custodian paying a fee to that third party administrator for letting yes. them have access to more money to then go invest and help them make money? Yes. Got it. Okay. That helps me and I think the best ever listeners learn more about the business model of this for why you would start a company like this. And then also Mm -hmm. it helps gain more perspective. So let's go to some of the questions that we should ask a third party administrator or a custodian when we're identifying which company we should go with. What should we ask them? Well, I think that what we're all selling is price and service. I think those are the two main things. So, and you want the best of both. So with our fee structure, it's extremely competitive. In some cases, it's one quarter of what some of the other competitors out there charge. So our fee structure is really competitive. You also want to ask about service. So if you're in the middle of a deal, say, for example, again, we'll use real estate, your IRA is buying a house. What kind of service are you going to get when you call into your self-directed IRA company to talk about your deal? Are you going to get somebody brand new in a call center who you've never talked to before and you have to start from square one telling them about your deal? Or are you going to be able to get a hold of the same person that you've been working with through the whole deal and be able to have a relationship with one person to carry you through your whole deal? So here at UDirect, I have our clients divided up alphabetically and our transaction coordinators each have a section of the alphabet. So typically you'll always get the same transaction coordinator helping you on your deals. And that's really helpful because our company gets to know our client a lot better in that way. Love it. That is very helpful because you broke it down so simply, price and service. Those are the two. Any question that you think people might not ask that they should ask? Of course, people are certainly interested in the safety of a self-directed IRA company. And I think that's extremely important. So you should do your due diligence on the companies. But I also think that when you self-direct your IRA, your goal isn't to take your money, put it in a self-directed IRA, and then just leave it there. That's not really your goal. Your goal is to invest in an asset. So make sure you do your due diligence on the company, but especially do your due diligence on the asset sponsor. Google their names on our website, udirectira.com. On the right-hand side, we have a column of national organizations, including FINRA, for example, who will help you do your due diligence. If you say, look, there's this private placement, I'm looking to invest, and who are these people? Do they have any kind of record? Because we have this one client I'm thinking of in particular, nearly invested with somebody who had who had been incarcerated for stealing millions of dollars from other people and she hadn't done her right. due diligence. It just so happens that we caught this for her and she didn't go through with that investment. But you have to do your due diligence. Who are you investing with? What's your asset? When it's real estate, don't just make sure that somebody has title to the asset and do the due diligence on the upfront. I mean, do that. But in addition, don't only do that. Make sure on the back end after things, did they record properly? So after your IRA purchased a real estate asset, is the asset truly recorded in the name of your IRA? You can go back through the county recorder and say, hey, who owns this property? Or did anything ever record? Because you can just trust them. They said, yeah, it's recorded. And you never got any kind of proof of that. Well, then you're not doing your due diligence. You've got to follow up on the back end as well. Is there anything else as it relates to our topic of what you can and can't do with self-directed IRAs as well as due diligence? on the IRA company that you want to mention that we haven't talked about? 
what you can't do is definitely you can't put the money in your own pocket. You can't take the proceeds from one IRA and put them in another IRA. So if your IRA owns a house and your renters are paying rent, you can't take that rent and put it in ABC IRA account across the street. It has to go back into the account that owns that asset. We've had people make that mistake and that's costly because then you're taking a constructive use of your IRA. That is going to get your account dispersed to you as a taxable event. This has been such a valuable conversation for best ever listeners who are looking to invest with a self-directed IRA or best ever listeners who are looking to raise money or currently raising money and knowing the process of this. Where can the best ever listeners get in contact with you or your company? Well, a lot of places. We're on Facebook at UDirect IRA Services. We're on LinkedIn and so forth. We're on Twitter. So we're all there, but especially our website. It's UDirectIRA.com. You can email us at info at UDirectIRA.com. And then call us, of course, at toll-free 866-538-3539. And we've got a staff here, Pacific Time, 8 to 5, every business day, here to help you. And we do answer a lot of questions. We spend a lot of time on the phone helping people. We have covered so much, and it's all because of you. You've been so helpful in how you're communicating the different points about this, and I feel like we got like three hours worth of content in a very <laughs> short amount of time, so I'm very grateful for that. Thank you for talking yeah, about what you can you. and can't do. You went through what you can. I think really the focus is what you can't do because then you can do everything else. What you yeah. can't do with collectibles, insurance, and really anything with family that is above you and below you and fiduciaries as well. Obviously, best ever listeners, this is very high level and you need to contact the custodian or the third-party administrator that you're going with before you identify something just to make sure that it checks out. And then also talking about the different types of questions you should ask as you said, you're really selling the following two things, price and service. So identify what type of service will it be when you call in, will you get someone brand new or we get someone who you've been speaking to all along and check out the fees. And then also we touched on the business model that you have because I love business models and I think Best Ever listeners probably got a lot from that as well. So thanks so much for being on the show. Hope you have a Best Ever weekend and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Joe. Empire Industries, a national award-winning company and the fastest-growing property management company in Houston, would like to offer you, best ever listener, a 30-day love us or leave us guarantee. Contact Empire Industries at 888-866-6727 for more info. That's 888-866-6727.